1: the Cool Kids Table. Someone told me the other day, they listened to the show, they never got to sit at the Cool Kids Table in high school, so they feel real good they get to do this. And I said, you know, if you're not invited to the Cool Kids Table, you just start your own Cool Kids Table. And that's what we've done with this podcast. For those of you who are just tuning in for the first time, we are closing in on 400 episodes and four years of cool things entrepreneurs do. In that time, I have interviewed almost 350 Entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, business leaders, and people who have jobs that are inside a company but are being sort of an intrapreneur. And the idea is, is that it's just a way to get information. I am a real big believer that success leaves clues. And so the more we get to hear other people's stories, the more we can find little nuggets, little tidbits that are gonna work out for us. And I think today is going to be one of those shows. Today's on today's show I have John Lanias and he is the executive vice president of Vidzu Media. But here's the coolest thing back in like 2013, 2014, he started off as their intern. And now he's the executive vice president. So he has obviously uh, been doing some really cool things in this role for him to ascend that quickly. Uh, I just want to talk to him and find out a little bit about his career path and, and what it's like to be entrepreneurial inside a company. So, John, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Tom, thank you very much. Great introduction. That was really fun. That's awesome. <laughs> well, I don't really like to read the bios that people send. You know, I'll put that on the page when it punts punts up. But I always like to let people sort of describe themselves. So why don't you tell everybody who is John Lanius and uh, what makes you exciting?
0: Got it. Um, you you, you kind of cut out there a second, at least on my side. So I a, I've I've turned off the video. So yeah, hopefully. I didn't miss much.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. And I'm going to turn off mine as well. That's one of the the problems with uh, the internet bandwidth world is that sometimes you have to just uh, make do. So anyway, uh, tell us about you and what makes you great. Sure. I, I appreciate that, Tom. So uh, as Tom said, I'm the executive
0: vice president of Bidzu Media. Uh, I started off as an entrepreneur actually in the early 90s. Uh, I had an opportunity to open one of the largest just importing and exporting uh, fragrance, uh, brick and mortars, uh, back, back in the early 90s, just before the internet. Uh, and so the, the entrepreneur bug really bit me. Uh, and I've had a, a fun career of moving from uh, having an importing and exporting business to teaching martial arts, to military, government, law enforcement, to working in radio uh, all throughout the 90s. Uh, Post 9-11, I was recruited by a number of different agencies and got to work for them. And then after after 9-11, went to work for Washington University in St. Louis to follow a lot of my education background. And then, as Tom said, in in 2014, I showed up at BidZoo Media as an intern because I had gone back to school and I needed to have a degree requirement in order to graduate. And so one of the sister agencies of BidZoo Media as part of the Nitrous Effect Collective is a company called CPG, and I was the on-camera spokesperson for a tool for a tool company called Matco Tools. Uh, Tom, you may have uh, heard of Matco Tools, but basically I would be on camera with Tom and say, Tom, tell us about that new 2125 power tool and give me some features and benefits. And, and <laughs> so they knew me as, a, as an on-camera talent and as a spokesperson, but didn't know my background in business and leadership and training. And so I had an opportunity to come into Bidzoom Media and really take a look at the amazing team that's here now and start to build just a world-class video production operation that serves startups to multinationals, uh, you know, uh, companies that you would know such as Panera and Boeing and Sherwin-Williams and GoPro and just really, you know, impact the world uh, in a very powerful way through impactful storytelling and strategy.
1: So really in the last you know, five years that you've been doing this, four years that you've been doing this, what's amazing to me is how video has changed. It's gone from a nice to have to a must have. So what are some of the changes you've seen in sort of the importance of video to companies big and small? Absolutely. So talking to the importance of video,
0: I remember, you know, 10, 15 years ago, websites were kind of the similar phenomenon where it was like, yeah, it'd be great to have a website. But now the first thing people do is, my gosh, I'm going to go incorporate my company and I need a website that's beginning to happen with content. Because the funny thing about the Internet is that the Internet has turned us all into amateur spies, is that if I when I hear about Tom Singer, I'm like, hmm, let me go out on the Internet and see what's there. And so, the, what the, some of the first things that I see on the internet are going to are going to form some of the seminal thoughts that I have about you and your business and the contribution that you're making. Well, that's the way we are now with video. And so, you know, for us, Vidzu started off initially uh, as serving the other companies uh, that we have called the Nitrous Effect, and you can check that out at nitrouseffect.com. But basically. Um, Vidzu was, was just serving that. And so for us, one of the first things that we developed as a standalone project, uh, standalone product, excuse me, was, was, was the concept of the brandumentary. It's the documentary about your brand. And the ability to get everybody in the room, every stakeholder in the room and start to tell that story at first was intimidating because the funny thing is, is that in larger companies and even smaller companies for, 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 for the most part, you know, it's usually one or two people that are responsible for, for the marketing and branding of a company, but you know the ceo may have a divergent opinion about that or the sales department may may have a divergent opinion and so one of the techniques that we have found to be extremely successful at any size organization is getting every stakeholder in the room and we've invented a process where we actually through through experiences and through a dialectic process we take every stakeholder to the point to where everyone is rowing in the same direction. So then when you suddenly see this brandumentary or this commercial or any piece of content, you know that this is a piece of content that, in the, that everyone in the organization that has a say is actually signed on for and, co- and can go out and make the kind of difference that, that, that you need or want. And you can see that at vidzu.com, V-I-D-Z-U.com. And so that's one of the fundamental changes, Tom, in, in video is that people now realize that it, humans are inconsistent in the sense of that if I'm a trainer on Monday, I might feel great and I, may, and I might deliver that, that great piece of training, but on Wednesday, I might not feel so well. So the video is really about being consistent in your message across the board and really putting out into the world exactly as you want to be seen.
1: So you've been working inside this company You have a background as the entrepreneur, but you joined this company and then, you know, you have sort of taken over sort of a lot of the growth of it and grown into this executive VP position. What's it like to be an intrapreneur? What's it like to be entrepreneurial, but working in a job? Yeah, so that's really great. Actually, what's what's really interesting is that
0: I I love my CEO. His name is Keith Alper. Um, he's on the Forbes Council. He's on a whole number of, of different things, but he, and I, I'm going to use the word demand, but that may sound negative. He demands that everyone that works with him and for him is an entrepreneur in their thinking and in their acting. You know, one of his favorite things to me is, John, move fast and break stuff. And <laughs> And 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 for a lot of people, who you know have never been an entrepreneur, and I I, I had that background. I mean, I started on numerous companies in my early twenties and sold them by the time I was almost thirty. And so for me, it's like, you know, there's it's one of those things where it's a it's a double edged sword uh, in the sense of that you know you can be an and an entrepreneur working in a job if you begin to put the mindset out there that you're going to be comfortable sorry that you're going to be uncomfortable pretty much all the time and there's actually a saying i was i was reminding my team this morning in our status meeting which was that you know it has been said that one definition of mastery is being comfortable in the uncomfortable and most people want to be comfortable. They want to, they, they, they want to feel good. They want to be comfortable. Um, but what if you begin to flip the script on that? What if, what if you take on that mastery, one level of mastery is being comfortable in the uncomfortable? And you really start to put out into the world what it is that you want to create. When I first got to Vidzu Media, to be quite transparent, I didn't know if I wanted to stay. I came in as the intern, I looked around at what was happening, but I saw an opportunity. And the opportunity that I saw was that here are these amazing group of creatives that, for the most part, had been working inside of a company that had been created to serve other companies, not so much the public and, and what we language as standalone work. And, you know, when I started to bring my background of training and leadership uh, to the organization, I saw that it was resonating with people. And I was like, you know what? Awesome. If we can take this, then we can begin to, to impact, not only the internal companies that we serve but also the world for for that matter and that uh, that may sound a little lofty or or, or uh, you know a, a little uh, poetic and and i assert that if you go to V-I-D-Z-U.com, B-I-D-Z-U.com, and just look at the at the work that's there you're, you're you'll say oh my gosh yes absolutely because nowadays anybody can make you pretty pictures you can get out your phone with your 4k camera on your phone and shoot some video but the question is how are you using that? What's the strategy? Where's the hockey stick? You know, where's the call to action that you want to create? It's been said in the past that one definition of mastery is being comfortable in the uncomfortable. And so, when you look at this whole concept of being an entrepreneur uh, as w- and working in a job is that, you know, how do you continue to push the envelope? How do you continue to create uh, for your clients the kind of positive difference th- that you want to make. So to answer your, your, your question, Tom, is that everybody on the team is asked to really think about if you owned Bidzu, and you do own Vizu in the sense of you're owning the work and you're owning the responsibility, um, you know. How can you continue to push yourself to be comfortable in the uncomfortable, thus causing the kind of positive results for your clients so that they, you know, see the results and continue to okay, want to continue to work with you? Because uh, nowadays, you know, everybody can create you pretty pictures. Uh, you, you can get out your phone and, you know, shoot video on, on on your phone in 4K. But how are you strategizing with your clients? How are you creating the results and the the hockey stick that they want to see, Th- these are the kind of conversations that we empower at Vidzu, and that's one of the, the things that I have invited the team to really understand and see that how we are, our, our differentiator are in the conversations and, and in the results that we create for our clients.
1: So, so one of the interesting things that you said was be comfortable in the uncomfortable, and that has resonated with me. Anyone who listens to this show regularly knows that just a couple months ago, uh, for the first time ever in my life at 52 years old, I tried my my hand at, at doing a set at stand-up comedy. And Love it. Yeah, and it really – I've done it now 12, 13 times in the past three months, and it has really been – uncomfortable. I've given seven or 800 professional speeches in my career as a speaker, but I never have really tried to do a five minute set of stand-up, and it is extremely uncomfortable. So I've set a goal for myself that I'm going to do 100 open mic nights because I think it's going to take me at least 100 open mic nights before I actually get to that uh, being comfortable in the uncomfortable.
0: Wow, I love that. And then and then you'll take your 5-minute set and then do your 15 and then, you know, within about 5 years you'll have your whole hour set.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I don't even know that that is is my goal. I don't think that Jerry Seinfeld is quaking in his boots that I'm doing stand up, but I think that <laughs> It, it already is helping me, just in its infancy of this little experiment, it's already helping me in my, my day-to-day job, in my day-to-day time as a speaker and a master of ceremonies. Uh, some of the best work I've ever done has been in the last couple months, and I think it's because I've pushed myself out of the comfort zone, and uh, it's really making me rethink sort of how, how I talk, my presence, my timing. There's so many pieces to it. I think, I think stand-up is the most unforgiving of all of the art forms of the spoken word.
0: Well, you know, I, I, I love that because I, 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 too, have done standup. And I just I want to I want to draw a connection to what you're saying uh, to to entrepreneurship. <laughs> What's in, if you've never done standup before, there really is this experience when you stand on stage. You really don't see anybody. It's really a black hole that you're speaking into. And it's you and a microphone. And then you can kind of hear the people that are out in front of you. Well, that's, in a lot of ways, what we do as entrepreneurs and also entrepreneurs in that, at first, we may be speaking into a black hole where we're, we're not sure if the universe is listening. And then, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we might get a laugh or we might get some, some feedback where, ah, moving in this direction, you know, things start to, to move along. And it's, you know, there's, it's one thing to speak into a room of people that want to hear you speak. And it's another thing to speak into a room of people that don't care who is speaking. And I think that's a part of our job is to is to really get people to be inspired to want to listen to what we have to say or see what we do so that we, we can be successful with the gifts that we have for the world.
1: Yeah, and it is true when you're doing open mic night, most people don't care. It's mostly other comics who are just waiting for their five minute set time to come up. So they're barely they're barely paying attention. Right. So, which probably you're right is no different than half of the prospects that are out there. They're barely paying attention. So, how do you how do you ring them in? So, John, what do you love about this entrepreneur slash intrapreneur lifestyle?
0: What I love about it is that I every morning I get to I get to invent what I'm going to do. And, I, and, you know, it's kind of like I think with the popularity of the self-help movement from the 60s, 70s, 80s, and even 90s, you know, this, this kind of languaging in our, in, in, our, in our world today is not uncommon. But when you really get present to or when you get really aware that you can invent your day just by taking certain actions, you really start to take a look at who are you being, what are you doing, and then, you know, what are you then having? at the end of the day. In, in other words, you know, there are a lot of people in the world that are very effective, but are they effective because they're being a jerk, or are they effective because they can inspire people around them? It, it, takes, it takes a lot of time and energy to be inspiring because you've got to do the internal work. You know, Lao Tzu, uh, older contemporary of Confucius who lived from 551 to 479 BCE, often talked about, I know others because I know myself. And I think one of the things that everybody should take on in, in the course of their day, wherever they are on their journey, is really taking a look at who are you? really, and what are you you committed to, and, and how do your words, actions, all of that impact people around you? Because, you know, once those things start finding alignment, then, you know, magic begins to happen. And, for me, that's what this lifestyle of being an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, an entrepreneur, whatever you want to call that, you know, it really is that when you see the responsibility And the beauty of creating your own life and creating something with people around you where you're all rowing in the same direction, it's extraordinary.
1: Yeah, I know. I fully agree. And that, that part about knowing yourself, uh, I'm part of a, a group podcast uh, that probably has launched by the time your episode airs. Uh, the working title of it is Out of Sync, the First Boy Band of Podcasting. And it's six, po- <laughs> it's six podcasters who range from age 32 to 62. And we just get together and just talk about Life and issues, and some of it's funny and some of it's deep, and sometimes the deeper it gets, the funnier it gets, but uh, and vice versa, vice versa. But uh, part of that that we just talked about on an episode that we recorded yesterday was about knowing yourself, and it's one of those things that your my 52 year old self realizes my 42 year old self didn't know me. And my forty-two-year-old self realized I didn't at thirty-two, and thirty-two realizes what a fool I was at twenty-two, etc. So that getting to know yourself is actually a journey. I think that doesn't even end.
0: It well, no, it never ends. I mean, oftentimes for me, uh, Alan Watts, uh, philosopher who died in nineteen seventy-three, often would talk about how you know human beings think that we are stagnant in the same way that a candle flame is stagnant when that's not true at all a candle flame is really just a series of gases that continues to be ignited so from a distance it looks like that it's you know constant in the same way that you know we as a human being we're not constant. We're, you know, we may look at, but every single day with the new thoughts that we have or new information that comes in, it, it shifts and transforms us. And so if we can begin to really see ourselves as that candle flame, we we really do, you know, not just intellectually, but, but really from a visual experience, begin to understand that we can go in any direction at, at any moment. The question is, what are you committed to?
1: So, John, I ask everybody who comes on the show about this gap between potential and results. Because in a career, whether it's your own company or you're working for somebody else, most people, when they start, they have a lot of potential. But a lot of people get caught in the gap between potential and results. Why do you think some people are more successful than others?
0: Because I think people are willing to share their successes as well as their their failures or their pitfalls. Um, You know, I have trained myself – to share with all levels of my team when I'm up against it as quickly as I can do that. Because I know that if I don't do that, then I'm going to stay in what I call a state of breakdown or in a state of, of low energy, where if I want to bridge that gap, I need to go and be authentic and really share. It's like, this is, this is what I'm up against. This is, you know, I'd, I'd love to get your coaching and feedback. So I think the, one of the easiest and fastest ways to bridge the gap is to go get coaching. Or to even coach someone else because you start to then get out of your head, which, you know, nothing really happens in the world when you're in your own head. It's, it's in the agreement with others that create new realities around you. Hmm.
1: So I've got more questions for you. I'm not going to let you go yet. But first, I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own Podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content and growing your audience. Hey, hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. Hey, John, so I called the show cool things entrepreneurs do. Not things they want to do, not things they might do, not things they did. What's the coolest thing you guys are doing with your company right now?
0: So right now, the coolest thing we're doing is episodic content. Let me explain. Um, Perhaps you've heard of Fast and Loud on Discovery. Mm -hmm. Maybe you've heard of Welcome to Sweetie Pies on Oprah's network. Um, We've got an amazing executive producer here that creates episodic content for companies that want to eventually either either create their own content for themselves or actually actually get a TV show uh, on some kind of network some examples of that is that if you're a CEO and you've written a book that's great but what are you doing with that book? How are you getting that book out in the world? Um, what we're doing is that we're working with different companies to create opportunities for them to not only promote what they're doing um, on any social channel, whether it's YouTube, Vimeo, whether it's you know Instagram, whether it's uh, Facebook, Twitter, any of that. Is that the content we're creating is episodic, so that you can build an audience where people begin to begin to feel and and, and have a direct connection to you, your business, what you're doing, how you're making the world a better place. And we're seeing incredible results with that. So it's a way to get content out instead of just a 30 second commercial or a two to three minute brand film. It's a way to build the story around what you're doing, whether you're a wedding planner and you wanna tell the stories of all your weddings or whether you are a consulting company and you wanna talk about how you're different and and what difference do you make through your through your engagement practices with, with companies that you work with. Uh, it's a really cool thing that we're doing.
1: So let's go back to this importance of this type of, of video, whether it's, you know, whether it is a, a commercial or a, a longer video or this episodic content, you know, where are businesses dropping the ball with with everything that's going on with video right now?
0: I think where people are dropping the ball is, is that, in, number one, is that it's not a discussion that's happening across all of the different disciplines within a business. If, if only the sales and marketing department are coming up with what should be there and not talking to the sales department or not talking to any of the C-suite, that's problematic because, you know, if, if 30 people were in a movie theater watching a movie, how many movies took place? 30. And so it's one of those things where, you know, even if you're the marketing director, I guarantee that you have somewhat of a different view about what the company is than other people in it. And so for us, the importance of putting everybody in the room and being able to get everyone on the same page, that, that is the secret. And and for us, that's how we have grown our business very, very quickly, but also very powerfully because, um, you know, there, there is this tendency in business that, that people don't want to give up their turf and they don't want to give up, you know, because they think, oh my gosh, if, you know, Tom in sales knows what I'm doing in marketing, you know, then, then, then that might undermine, my, you know, my actions. When in actuality, it actually strengthens it because you're having a unified conversation. And there's power in that. How I language it is that, you know, Tom, if you and I were working together and we were collaborating, which we are kind of today, I would say there's my view, then there's your view. But where we're going to be most powerful in the marketplace is when we align on our view. And that that has been kind of the crux of, of uh, our strategy process.
1: So if companies aren't yet doing video, do you think they need to jump in?
0: Absolutely. I think, and and it could be something small. I mean, it it might just be, you know, if you've got a product, you know, people will not buy something until they can see themselves using it and find the benefit of it. You know, and there are very good salespeople in the world that can create that, but they are few and far between. Video is another tool to be able to have people see and envision them using it, whether it's a product, whether it's a service, or whether it's an idea. It is the fastest way to be able to do that. And I get some people like, "Well, its video is expensive." You're right. It you know it is expensive because it's more than it's it's more than what you maybe been spending on something else. But the question is, if you're able to get your message out consistently, the way that you want it to be seen then the dividends very quickly pay for themselves. And then they, Then I have people ask me, well, once it's made, you know, what do I do with it? Well, we've gone out and we've built all of that infrastructure to be able to take advantage of the internet, to take advantage of social media algorithms, to be able to have people see that. One of my favorite stories is that we're working with uh, one of our clients that was doing episodic content. And they, they had written a book and they wanted to promote their business. Well, this episodic content we created around what they were doing, we released in New York at the same time that this person was about to launch or, or to take their book to auction. Normally for this kind of book, at this kind of level of knowing, you could expect about $100,000 actually that book raised over 245,000 uh in the auction because the perception was that there was content in the world you had you know 50,000 views and uh, for, for for each episode that was there it's just a way to use media in a much different way to promote everything that you're doing and if, and, and there's always going to be fear present, but what we enjoy doing is actually walking people through the fear, showing them how they can have a direct result um, with content and the strategy behind it. And you know, t- again, to use the word cool, it's very cool.
1: So obviously larger companies have a bigger budget for this and, and your company is designed around, you know, creating well-produced stuff. Do you think it's still like for an individual, a solopreneur, do you still think just getting out there and just starting doing video, even if you're doing it yourself, is a plus?
0: I absolutely do. And, you know, for us, we pride ourselves on working from startups to multinationals, which means that the first time we might work with someone, they they only have a budget of $5,000. But- what's interesting for me is that I know how important it is for every piece of content to cause results. So that 5,000 gives a return on investment. Then maybe the next time we go to 10,000 and then that gives a return on investment. And then very quickly, if the results are there, which, you know, I, I would say we have an, I mean, it's our, our success rate is extremely high because of, because of how we work. And, um, I don't want to say it's perfect because that would be disingenuous, but we always hit the target. And, and then over time, we, we refine that to where we hit the bullseye. And that's, that's the fun part here. So to your point, yes, people should have video out there, but, the, but please don't put something out there that is considered bad. In, in other words, if you don't like what it looks like and it's not resonating with you, don't put it out there. But also think about this is that you know, you're not going to just create one video and let it live for five years styles change, clothes change, the way we talk changes, you've got to keep your content fresh. And that might be a year at a time for some companies or for, like for some of our clients, it's a, it's a monthly conversation.
1: Well, I'm friends with a gentleman named Brian Fanzo, and Brian is a professional speaker, speaks all over the world, and he speaks a lot to, like, individuals, solopreneurs, and his thing is it's going to take you a while to get comfortable on video, you know, and so his attitude is push the damn button. Now, again, don't put out something bad, but, you know, he sort of says – you know, put out a lot of stuff because you're learning curve. It's kind of like me trying to do a hundred open mic nights. When I get to number a hundred, it's going to be better than number 13. And, you know, so his, his tagline is push the damn button because he said too many people overthink and thus never do video. And they're leaving They're They're, they're causing more damage by doing nothing than just getting out there and playing.
0: Right. Well, and then, and then that's even take the podcast. For example, most people on the planet haven't heard their own voice. And so, you know, when you when you play back their voice to them outside of their own body, it's like, oh, my gosh, I sound like that. Yes, you do. And but knowing how you sound then starts to give you command of, you know, how you're speaking, how you're viewing, how you're being observed in the world. And it's a it, it, it is it's very much a level of responsibility that's that most businesses or people have not taken on. But once you do, the dividends are powerful. mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: So as we wrap this up, I've got a couple of questions I ask everybody. And the first one is, who is it that you admire out there in the world of entrepreneurship? Because we could talk about you and what you've done in your career all day long, but I think great entrepreneurs are observers. So I love to hear how people answer this question. Who do, who do you think, wow, they're doing cool stuff? So,
0: you know, it's funny. Uh, Elon Musk has been back in the news a lot lately because of the Thai cave things or whatever. And, uh, you know, I... I I was always interested in in Elon Musk, but I didn't know much about him, and I I read the book recently that he kind of approved, um, and to read his journey was fascinating. You may not like him, you, you, you may not agree with him, but the simple fact, the amount of fear and the amount of, you know, on the precipice of failure. At, at, at every, just about every day, it seems like, you know, Elon Musk inspires me. I may not agree with, you know, all of his thoughts, like I said, but the simple fact that, you know, his ultimate goal is to get humans to Mars, that's extraordinary to me. And, you know, that's one thing to say that, hey, I, I want to make 1 million in sales this year,
1: but to say we're going to get to Mars in my lifetime. <laughs> Yeah, that's a that is a big that is a big jump to get to Mars. Yeah. So the other question I ask everybody is what do you do to give back to the greater good? Because I think if we're successful and we're entrepreneurs, I think that, you know, at some point we have to, you know, do something beyond just make money. So so what do you do?
0: So I, I have the opportunity to work with many people who have scholarship foundations. Uh, what's coming to mind right now is Jen Hillman. Jennifer, uh, uh, she is, uh, she's an extraordinary entrepreneur, has a building named after her at Washington University in St. Louis. And I get to work with her and her scholars where I give feedback on everything from their LinkedIn to how to network, to how to present yourself, to the photos they're putting online, any of that. You know, uh, Tom, I'm—I'm. I'm, maybe you feel the same way sometimes, but I'm really glad I didn't grow up in the world of social media oh. when I was young and maybe not as smart as I am today.
1: Oh, my God. What, what, <laughs> and, uh, what a nightmare to be a teenager with access to social media in 1985. That would have been horrible. Absolutely. Well, I mean, you know, it's funny because, uh,
0: you know, I, as I shared earlier, it's like I, I worked for the government post 9-11 and it was very funny to me. There's this piece of me going, oh, I'm so glad I didn't post all those party photos when I, you know, <laughs> when I was a young teenager or, or older, you know what I mean? Um, my point is, is that uh, to spend time with people, it's like, I, I think one of the biggest pitfalls that all of us have is that we sometimes think that everyone knows what we know. And when you start talking to people, they may know the concepts you're talking about, but they don't know the exact path and they don't know the exact, like the nuances of that. So what I really enjoy doing is working with young people um, or even even my peers who are, who are open to coaching to really start to have a conversation about how can we truly be our best selves in the course of our day? Because, you know, if you're up to big things, usually how I language this is that, if you're up to big things, you're pushing boulders up hills looking for friends, and if you can't find friends, you can't push those boulders. Mm. Whether they're young people or whether they're my, you know, uh, my peers, what I love doing is giving back by coaching, answering questions, really making a positive difference. I think
1: that's fantastic. So, John, thank you so much for being a guest here on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. I appreciate all your insight and ideas. Uh, If somebody wants to find out more about you, about uh, the the company, how do they find you?
0: So you can go to vidzu.com, B-I-D-Z-U.com. So the B stands for velocity. The vid stands for Video and zoo is the Japanese word to tell the story through pictures. So what we do is that with Velocity, we tell amazing stories through pictures. You can also uh, find me on the website. You'll find my photo. You can also go to LinkedIn. Uh, I'm extremely active on LinkedIn. If you connect with me on LinkedIn, the first question I'm going to ask you is, why are you connecting with me on LinkedIn? (laughs) Because I really want to use LinkedIn as a way to to get LinkedIn into what you're doing and, 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 and what you're sharing with the world. So uh, that's how you can reach out to me.
1: That is awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for being on the show. And I say it every time, thanks for everybody who tuned in and listened, because if it wasn't for the listeners, we wouldn't have a show. So uh, keep tuning in, telling your friends. If you like the show, go over to iTunes and leave a review. It makes my day so much happier when there are new reviews on iTunes. And uh, we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as John. But in the meantime, I challenge you, go out there and have a great day.
0: Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at at TomSinger.